At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Not sure this fits the criteria of this subreddit, but I thought this was incredibly creepy. Junior year of high school, my parents got a job offer out of state, and so I was forced to move all across the country. I started a new school late into the academic year, and had a hard time fitting in. All I wanted was to make a friend, but was too shy to talk to anyone. It was around this time that my friends left MySpace to join Facebook, so I did the same to keep close to them. Some days later, I received a friend request from David. David was a guy that I had been friends with in my old town. Well, he wasn't exactly my friend, but rather the friend of another friend. My friend Jerry had introduced him to the group and would bring him along every time all of us hung out. We knew that David was a year older than us, and that he had gone to a different school. But other than that, we didn't really know anything about him. In fact, we kind of always referred to him as Jerry's friend, because he never even bothered to talk to any of us. So when I received a friend request from him on Facebook, I was more than confused. He had hardly spoken to me when I had lived near him. So for him to want to be friends with me after all of this time just seemed a little strange. But I was so lonely and desperate for friends that I didn't even care. Other than that, nothing really seemed off about him, at least not at the time. Looking back, I do remember that he hardly had any pictures of friends when I first accepted his request. But like I said... This was around a time that people started using Facebook, so it didn't seem all that weird for him to have such a barren profile. And over the years, his friend list got a lot bigger, even more so than mine, so I didn't really think anything of it. But anyway, I digress. I accepted his friend request, and it was just like this that David and I became friends. He told me that he just started college, and that he was lonely because he was too shy to make friends. I told him that I was having a hard time in my new school for the same reasons, and we bonded over that. Little by little, we started talking more. He shared his problems with me, and I shared mine with him. And when it was time for me to apply to college, he even helped me out. He taught me how to sign up for my SATs, and even helped me apply to scholarships and even paid for one of my application fees. This is when I finally started college. He helped me with that as well. He told me where to buy books, gave me studying tips, provided emotional support. So when he asked me for my phone number, I didn't even hesitate to give it to him. David was my best friend, and I wanted to keep close to him, even if we were physically away from each other. 
It was around this time that David started sharing more of his life with me, and all of it was pretty normal stuff. He had a job at Pizza Hut, which he hated but needed to keep in order to pay the bills. He also played soccer, but not for his college or anything. It was just a group of guys that got together on the weekend to unwind. I think the biggest thing he told me was that he flunked out of college, and that I was the only one that knew because he was too embarrassed to tell anyone else. And at one point, he also had to move back in with his mom, which he hated a lot. Two, maybe three years into our friendship, my family decides to take a trip back into the city where we had lived prior to moving all across the country. And I excitedly tell him and all of my old high school friends. Most of them were pretty excited about the idea of us all hanging out together again because after high school, we had all just gone our different ways. But when I contacted David about it, he showed little interest in hanging out with us. I thought it was weird. You know, I I wasn't some stranger he had met online, but rather someone who had been in his life for many years. I kept insisting and asking for a reason, and then he finally gave me one. He told me that his pictures had been heavily edited, and that he was afraid of disappointing me if we met in real life. I told him that it didn't matter what he looked like, and that I just wanted to meet him. But he still didn't want to hang out. Instead, he just started being a huge dick to me. He knew exactly what buttons to push, knew all of my insecurities and secrets, and had started using all of that knowledge to hurt me. So I just stopped talking to him. Some weeks later, I meet my friends as planned, and much to my surprise, I see David there, looking just like he did on his pictures. I didn't understand why he had lied about photoshopping his pictures, or why he said he didn't want to meet me only for him to show up at our friend's house. But I was so angry at him that I didn't even ask a question. I just kept waiting for an apology, but David wouldn't approach me. He was treating me like he treated me back when we were in high school. I was really upset. But given that he had been such a huge dick to me, I just figured that this was just another attempt at getting under my skin. We were all drinking and talking about what we were up to. And when it was his time to share, he pretty much just said the same things I already knew about him. He said that he wished he was still in college like the rest of us, but that he had flunked out and that he was just living with his mom. He said that he was miserable there and that he wanted to move out but that his job at Pizza Hut wasn't paying him enough for him to move out on his own. At this point, though, I was already pretty pissed off, and the alcohol had given me enough courage to finally ask him why he had been ignoring me. He apologized, but admitted that he hardly remembered me, which hurt my feelings, but also pissed me off even more. I told him about Facebook and about our text messages, and he kept insisting that he didn't use Facebook. Apparently, he had used MySpace at one point, but had stopped using that when he had switched over to Tumblr. A Facebook account was something that he hadn't even considered making. I asked him about the text messages, and he just said that I probably confused him with another David, because he had never had my number. I thought that denying it was a lousy excuse, but Jerry backed him, 
which pissed me off even more. The thing though was that David hadn't just been talking to me on Facebook, but also to a bunch of us. So when we kept calling him out on his shit, he just told us to text this David guy to prove that it wasn't him. He set his phone on the table and I texted him, but no new messages appeared on his phone. Then, while we were all arguing about how we need to give it some more time, the David that I had been talking to for years responds, proving that we had been talking to a fake all along. Things turned pretty awkward at this point, with all of us feeling angry and betrayed, and David obviously feeling extremely violated. So with all of us wanting answers, we open up our friend's laptop and search for David's profile on Facebook. The first thing that David points out is that whoever this was, they were using his mother's maiden name and not his real last name, and that while most of the people on his friend list were people he knew, none of them were people that he had kept in contact with. His display picture was also of a dog, which he had owned years ago, but that had since died, just like the fake David had told me. The older pictures on Facebook had been taken from his MySpace back when he had still been using it. But most of the newer ones had been taken from his Tumblr, which he apparently uploaded pretty often. The weirdest thing, though, was there were some pictures he swore he had never seen before. These were all pictures of his soccer games taken from the audience, which the fake David had said his brother had taken. The real David said his brother never went to the games, neither did any of his family members or friends. Further exploring his own fake profile, David pointed out that while a bunch of status updates were of things that had never happened, a lot of them were accurate. Whoever this person was, they had been watching David for a long time. They knew his schedule, knew what movies he went, knew what ice cream flavors he liked, knew his favorite bands, knew practically everything about him. We did confront the fake David, but he never answered the text messages and instead deleted the profile before he had the chance to examine it any further. So he never did get any answers. I don't know why that person pretended to be David for so long or why they even did it in the first place. All I know is that I felt extremely violated for having shared so many private details of my life with him. And of course, I also felt a great deal of pity for the real David. I wondered for the longest time how this person found him and how they managed to learn so many private details of his life. Then a few months back, my mother calls me saying that she found a profile with her name but with my pictures on it. My middle name is my mom's first name, something that very few people know. She thought that I had made a second profile and I didn't want to tell her the truth because I didn't want to scare her. But truth was, I didn't even know that profile existed. I have always kept Facebook set to private and I no longer accept random friend requests nor do I post my pictures anywhere else. So this profile only had really old pictures of me and nothing weird like David's soccer game pictures, but it was still active 
and I've been active for a while. None of the friends were people that I know, and none of the updates were of things that I've been doing in real life. So I don't know if their profile belonged to the same person that stalked David. But I'm extremely average looking, so I don't know why anyone will want to use my pictures when there are way prettier girls online. So I'm guessing it had to be him. I don't know. I just reported the profile and it no longer exists. But I wonder if this person is still pretending to be me or if they moved on to somebody else. This is a little story about a creep. A creep who thought he had all the power in the world. A creep who probably had a horrific childhood, but a creep nonetheless. Anyway, I first befriended this creep online back in 2011. Facebook, of course. We had mutual friends, friends I trusted, so I assumed he was a cool guy. Well, that's a terrible assumption to make about strangers, whether they are mutual friends or not. But I was a naive 18-year-old girl. His name was Danny. I thought he was a cool guy at first. He had an awesome taste in music and shared a lot of great songs with me. He was also incredibly, inappropriately hilarious. He was full of jokes and bizarre stories, and I soon grew to love talking to him. He never asked if I had a boyfriend. I assumed he knew I did. After all, we were Facebook friends now, and there were pictures of my boyfriend everywhere. And it's not like I kept my relationship status hidden. It was right there for all to see. But I guess he didn't know. One day, in October, he decided to tell me how he felt about me. He recited a poem he'd written, comparing me to a beautifully and elegantly handcrafted tapestry. Keep in mind, I've never even met the guy, and we'd only been talking for a month or so. I responded with something along the lines of, Wow, I wish my boyfriend says stuff like that. He got angry, so angry. He asked me how I could have led him on like this. He asked me how I could do this to him. He told me he had opened his heart to me. He begged and pleaded. Supposedly, he cried. I was beyond puzzled. I decided to give him some space, and it worked for a few days. But he eventually messaged me again. He may have apologized, but I honestly can't remember that exact conversation. I do know that things returned to normal. He became silly and fun again. At this point, I had his Skype and he had mine. I would talk to him there sometimes, but I never used a camera. I didn't feel comfortable with it. Actually, I hated using the camera with anyone. I told him that when he started to beg me to use it, but he didn't relent. Still, I kept making excuses. Danny wasn't having it. He got more aggressive, and then he got sexual. He told me to Skype naked with him. Time after time, I told him no. Eventually, I blocked him on Skype, but ended up receiving dozens of angry messages on AIM. 
I don't exactly remember what he said, though I do have screenshots of all of it on an external hard drive somewhere. I remember it being hateful and absolutely insane. And there was some stuff about me being a really awful friend as well. Before long, he told me he was a very excellent hacker. He told me he had a whole slew of hacker friends as well. He told me he could change my college grades and make me fail. He told me he would make my life a living hell. I didn't necessarily believe it all, but I did believe he would do something. Despite these negative confrontations, we still had periods of silliness. During these periods, things were normal. I felt safe. To an extent, I tried to keep him happy. I wanted to stay in his good graces because I really did believe he would attempt to tarnish my reputation otherwise. Before long, he started giving me ultimatums. Either you get on Skype with me, or things will get very bad for you. I can tell your boyfriend you're cheating on him. I eventually asked our mutual friends about him. They said he was violent, dangerous, and twisted. Even better, he lived mere minutes from the college we attended in Reading, Pennsylvania. Every day, I started getting more panicked about going to school. While on campus, I'd look around for guys that looked like him. Guys with long red hair and beards. And I'd be wary of anyone who even slightly resembled him. At this point, I was honestly convinced he'd just show up and try to find me. I had blocked him on AIM and I made a new Skype. I knew this would infuriate him. And it did. I received another batch of messages on Facebook about how I needed to learn to treat people better. I told him I was uncomfortable with what he was asking of me. He responded with something along the lines of, Fine, you've chosen your fate. I blocked him on Facebook. I'd had enough of him terrorizing me, but I should have known it wouldn't be the last time I'd hear from him. At the end of November, I received three Facebook messages from someone named Adam Knowing. Whoever he was, he just joined Facebook a couple of weeks ago, and he had no friends or content. The messages read as follows. November 27th, 2011. You've been warned repeatedly, and you are now being served notice. November 29th, 2011. I believe this is your last warning, and that you have been informed of your behavioral issues. The situation will change before the start of next weekend, where action will be taken. November 30th, 2011. So you attend college, right? And your grades are passing? Not for long. You were warned on how to treat him, and how you are to act. You've got until week's end to correct this behavior. Our life becomes a very difficult thing. You should never treat someone who has a life like this the way that you do. To this day, I'm not sure who Adam Knowing was. It could have been Danny, or it could have been one of his low-life hacker friends. Either way, 
I was terrified at the time. Against my better judgment, I unblocked Danny on Facebook. By now, my boyfriend was aware of the situation and he suggested I contact the police if things got any worse. Maybe I should have, but Danny hadn't officially done anything to me. What could they do? Still, I took screenshots of all of his screen names. I saved our chat logs on AIM. I took screenshots of all of his threatening messages. I saved it all to a folder, just in case I needed evidence. Danny's nonsense continued right through Christmas. Some days, he'd be sweet and funny. Others, he was back to being angry and pressuring. I promised him a Skype session to calm him down, but I kept using my schoolwork as an excuse to delay it. Shortly after Christmas, I blocked him again on all accounts. I decided I would deal with whatever repercussions that came with it. If I did end up getting hacked, at least I had evidence, right? A couple weeks went by and nothing happened. Then, I received a Facebook message from another account I didn't recognize. I don't remember this one, but I remember the message. After careful consideration, you're being let go. You may want to do the respectful thing and thank the one you have wronged. It is thanks to his compassion that you are being forgiven so easily. I blocked the account immediately. In January of 2012, something magical happened. I woke up one morning to the news that Danny had been arrested. The charges? Possession and distribution of child pornography. A bunch of his creepy friends had been arrested with him, having been involved as well. In 2013, Danny was indicted. He's looking at up to 60 years, which will make him almost 90 when he gets out. Even if he's released early, he'll be supervised for the rest of his life. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to post a link to the news story, but it is online.